before we die, which is everybody's favorite subject. Um, and so, but um, <clears throat> there's a, a few reasons that I, I felt like we were supposed to uh, dive into this over the next several weeks together. And I wanted to kind of give that to you up front before we actually jump into um, uh, the message. And so uh, first and foremost, there is a, a, a without question ironclad reality that every person faces. Uh, we all come from different walks of life. We all have different experiences. But one thing that we all know uh, is that an end is coming. There is an end coming. Uh, our lives uh, uh, in, on this earth don't go on forever, but we have uh, an end. And if it, it, it makes sense that if there is an end, then knowing what's on the, it, it's pretty important to know what's on the other side, so to speak, of that end to, to this life. And that's why we want to look at it, right? Not knowing the end is kind of like, if you can imagine, uh, you know, you, some of you guys have kids, and you look at your kids and say, kids, there, we have an amazing, amazing vacation coming up. It's going, it's going to blow your mind. It's going to be bigger than anything we've ever done before, bigger than anything you could possibly imagine. And the kids are looking at you going, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. Where are we going? And you look at them and you say, I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of like, there's a problem with like, if there's something so amazing, if we aren't aware of it or what is there or what's beyond, then it can't inform what we, we do today. Meaning, uh, if a kid finds out that he's going to Disney World, all right, then that helps him start dreaming about Mickey Mouse. Or that helps him start thinking about, or the, you know, the little girl starts thinking about, okay, what, what color lipstick should I have when I see Cinderella? Or just whatever. But you start preparing for that, uh, whatever's coming. And I think that's important for us. I think that's why this is something we want to look at as um, a church. I want to say this also, that throughout church history, unfortunately, uh, the afterlife or eternity, and I would say especially hell, has been uh, used in a manipulative way to scare people into conversion. Um, and you won't find that attitude or heart anywhere in Scripture. You'll find a holy God and you'll find uh, a truth and life in him. But the attitude of trying to utilize hell or eternity uh, uh, separated from God, which is a terrifying prospect, and we're going to get into that this series. Uh, it's terrifying to think about being separated from God in any way, form, or fashion, especially as the common grace we all live under today. But using that as a scare tactic against people is a bad idea, and the church has been guilty of that. And so we need to address that as a church, and in many ways, we have to repent of it as a church leadership. And I don't, I don't think in this church leadership, I haven't heard anybody like, you know, you came in the door like, welcome, you might go to hell. I mean, that's, we, we, you probably didn't get welcome, so I don't mean this particular church, but I just mean the church at large. Um, uh, that's been a problem. I want to say this, our, the truth... In our culture, uh, meaning our Western, Western American culture, uh, truth is becoming more blurry by the day in our culture. And so uh, it becomes now important. So now, there, and I would say this, I would say especially with respect to spiritual matters, uh, truth is getting fuzzy and what we believe and what we should believe and shouldn't believe starts to be hard to hold on to. And so what I want us to, to do as a, a church family is to be sure that we come back to the source of truth, uh, which is the scriptures, and we let the scriptures speak to us rather than allowing for our ideas plus CNN plus your favorite director in Hollywood inform how our lives should be or tell us how we ought to be living. Uh, and so we want to we be faithful to go back to that. Uh, and then finally, um, I think we need to be settled on these issues. For, uh, and I would say we need to be settled on the issue of eternity and what happens beyond this life because every person in here knows somebody that does not believe and does not agree with what the word of God says. Every one of us 
um, has people we know that have a different belief or a different understanding and being able to lovingly articulate the truth of God's word, being able to have healthy, life-giving conversations with friends and family that you're thinking of right now that don't know God or don't know Jesus or don't want to walk with him, being ironclad on this and being able to express with a loving heart these truths and being able to dialogue is an important thing in our lives. And I might say this, maybe first and foremost, it's important for you and I to be ironclad on this issue uh, in our own lives for our own walk with Jesus. You might even be sitting in this room right now and you're not entirely sure uh, what you believe or feel about eternity. You're not entirely sure. Even you might have a belief and you're not sure where you're going or what your eternity is. And so we wanna be able to speak into that first and foremost. But two, uh, the heart of this church is that we're gonna be a people that have a loving way of being able to share truth with the world outside of these four walls, okay? That's why we're doing this series. So if you're going, that, that seems like a really awkward way to kick off the fall semester. We were so excited. We started school, and then now you're yelling hell at us. This is a problem. This is why we're doing this, all right? So we're going to do that. I'm going to pray. And uh, in fact, here's what you're going to do. Uh, when you came in, hopefully you were given uh, a worship guide. On the back of the worship guide is a set of notes. Uh, some of you guys love to fill out notes or fill out blanks on those notes, and you can do that with us. Um, and, but if you're not, you just want to listen, you can do that as well. Everybody needs to have a Bible and turn to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, I want everybody to go there. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we're not going to throw this passage up on the screen, even though uh, we did last week. We're not going to do that this week. So uh, uh, we want you to have the Bible in your hands or you know, on your phone or whatever, so you can see the word for yourself uh, and you can follow uh, along with us. We're going to be in Luke 16, and I'll tell you this. As we go through this series, what we're going to do is we are going to focus on Jesus' words in particular about what he has to say about life after this earth or life after this life, okay? I want to just be clear about that, is we're going to try to look at Jesus as much as possible. What did Jesus say? And the reason we're going to do that is because even in our ever-shifting and changing culture, what often the narrative is, is, well, Jesus is a good teacher, and he was loving, and he was merciful, and he didn't want to judge anyone, and he didn't want to say mean things to anyone, when in fact, Jesus had truth in him, and he was willing to share it regardless of the people group. Uh, and he, he carried truth, both the fun things that are in him and the, and the hard things to hear about our condition apart from him. He was willing to share it. So I want us to all look at Jesus' words so we're clear uh, about where he's at on these things. So Luke chapter 16, um, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll jump, jump in together. Father, we're asking um, for you to communicate your heart and mind and truth with us. We don't, um, not one of us wants to find ourselves separated from who you are or what you teach and what your word says. So we want to be in line with it. Um, we don't want any part in us. I'm just say, we'll say this out loud, God. We don't want any part of us to be any fraction off of your truth. We know that life and joy and peace and power that we all can experience in this life comes from one source, comes from you. And so we're gonna line ourselves up with this truth. And we're gonna line ourselves up with who you are and what you, your word says. So would you come teach us this morning, Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Luke 16, verse, we're going to start in verse 19, uh, and, and, uh, and then we'll go from there. Luke chapter 16, verse 19. Now, these are Jesus' words. Jesus is teaching. So uh, Jesus is speaking to, he's teaching people, not just his disciples, but many people. And he says, there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. 
And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. So Jesus is a good storyteller. So he's giving us the picture here, right? <laughs> it's kind of like, was that necessary? And Jesus is going, I just want you to get the picture here, okay? All right, this is what's going on. This guy's life is bad. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Would you send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue? For I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things. And Lazarus in a like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here. And you are in anguish, verse 26. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. Now, you ought to probably have just a, maybe a little bit of a shiver running down your spine, just a little bit, okay? Because these are Jesus' words, and he's looking at a group of people. Now, there, there is more here that we could unpack uh, uh, just from this text here, but there are two core things that I, I want us to dive into from this, this, this morning. The first thing we sense and get from this uh, reality, from this uh, from this teaching of Jesus is every human is eternal. Every human for all time. Every human is eternal. This life is not an end, meaning there is an end to this life, but this life is not the end. Every person is headed somewhere, and Jesus makes clear there is an eternal life And there is an eternal death. Both realities exist. Neither are going to end. Both are real and both are unending. And he's giving a very lucid, a very clear picture of the realities of these two uh, existences. And it's important because... Uh, for us to understand this because we are increasingly living in a culture. It's important for us to look at Jesus' words because we're increasingly living in a culture uh, that is going to say one of two things to us. One of two things. One, uh, the first thing is, listen, uh, God isn't real. He's a fairy tale. Uh, the, uh, the, the world around us is going to go, listen, you can't see, taste, touch, feel, smell God. It's a fairy tale. One of uh, the great, um, one of the big voices um, for kind of culture, uh, Bill Maher. Uh, he's, you know, you, you can't get away without seeing a, 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 you know, a video clip of him. Or, he, you know, it's a late night show on HBO. And he's constantly saying, listen, uh, all religion is the worst because God is essentially a fairy tale. This is, this is what the, our culture is. So you're going to either hear, one, God is a fairy tale. Or two, what you're going to hear is that, listen, God is real, but he's a nice granddad, big, bushy beard. And what he wants to do is hand out toys. Essentially, God is Santa Claus or your granddad or something to that effect. Uh, and, and he does nice things for all the good people in the world. And he'll, he, he might punish all the bad people in the world. And our idea of God is that he's kind of distant uh, and old, and he's just trying to kind of look out for anyone that's willing to do some good. 
But those are the two general ideas that we get in our culture about who God is. And Jesus is looking here saying, listen, both of those things are wrong. Both of those ideas are wrong. My father is real. There is a life after this life. This life is not an end. And here, more than anything, God is serious about your life. God is serious about my God is serious about our lives in every way. He's saying I have revealed an incredible and loving father who is deeply committed to your life. He's not distant grandfather. He he is serious about you and this life and who we are. And I'm showing you things about who he is and his amazing holiness. And I'm showing you what is reality of uh, sin and brokenness in this life and how it has separated us from God. That's what we're seeing here. And there's a moment coming in this life. You hear this. There's a moment coming in this life. And no one knows when this moment is coming. No one knows when that is. But there's a moment coming in this life where this that our time here ends. Either one by death or by the return of Jesus, but this life is going to end. And no one knows when it's going to happen. No one gets a guarantee of tomorrow, and we all have seen and known and maybe even experienced in our own lives the tragedy of when we see life finishing quickly or prematurely before its time. We all have felt the sting of that even in, in our own lives and our home homes. And that reality is what Jesus is looking at. He's pointing to, and he's saying, listen, there's there's a time coming to an end. And this is rich people and poor people. People's life who seems like they got it all figured out and people whose lives are a mess. But it's all coming to an end and there's something on the other side of this thing. And what happens And where we land in this life has a weight on what is to come. This is what he's saying. So Paul, the apostle Paul, is going to affirm this idea. And what Paul does is he goes to all the outside world, outside of Israel, and he starts talking to the churches and he says, listen, you gotta be aware of this. He looks into the the quote-unquote Gentile world, meaning anybody that's not of Israel, and he's going out there and he's saying, listen, you need to be aware of this. Now, uh, uh, you can turn if you want to, but we're gonna throw it up on the screen. 2 Corinthians, these are Paul's words with respect to the shift from this life to the next. And here's what he says, listen, we don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. 2 Corinthians 4.16. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So Paul is kind of banging the drum and he's trying to wake up the church and he's saying, listen here. There's, what we can feel is that this life is constantly in a state of decay, right? And we all know that. We all feel that. You know what I'm talking about? We, like this life is, it's, it's not going good. Uh, example. Um, this, uh, two weeks ago, uh, I, I'm, you know, looking at my life and I'm going, you know, I'm 41 and I probably need to, I need to stop eating like a, a high schooler. And at some point in time, it would probably be good to try to work out, um, because that's just what you need to do because my job essentially is sitting down and meeting with people and eating food. That's my job. So I, I yell at you on Sunday morning, and then I meet with you throughout the week while we consume things. So unfortunately, that's not good for the body. So I decided, okay, I've got to go to the YMCA. Uh, we're going to go over there, and I was going to go. And so there's this class called Body Pump. All right? And I had heard about this class from some buddies who went to this class uh, from my previous, uh, you know, buddies back in Texas, fr- friends of mine. They go to the body, body pump class, is good. Okay, so I'm gonna go to body pump. So I'm strolling in there. I hadn't worked out in about, it's maybe like maybe five or six years. And, um, and so I'm, I'm, I walk in there and just immediately what smacks me in the face is that I am 
possibly the only person under the age of 70 in this class. And it's, and I am without question, the only male in this class. <laughs> so now I, my, I've got to decide. There's two things, okay? So my, my pride has already been wrecked. And I have to decide one of two things. Is my pride going to continue to be wrecked by working out with these women? Or is my pride going to be wrecked by me shamefully hanging my head and walking out, right? But, one of, uh, but my, it, this, is, this is a downward spiral here. So, but I'm thinking, okay, I'm thinking women in the more twilight part of their, night, their life, if they can do this class, if they could do this class, I can do this class, all right? So what I do, this is what all men do. We size up the strongest lady. <laughs> so what I'm doing is, is I'm looking around and I'm going, who's got the most weight? Because I can't be less than her. It's just, this is, I'm not, I'm not saying this is right. This is possibly confession. But I'm just dealing with some issue, internal pride issues. So I look and I go, okay, I think, um, okay, she's got that, okay, so if I just take what she has and double, I'll, I'm going to be okay. So I just got what, like, she had this on her bar. You know, and this body pump is basically, it's movement to music. <laughs> Friends, yeah. It's, you guys love me, right? Okay. So it's, so I'm going, so I'm just, so I put the, I do the barbells and then you get some hand weights and stuff. And I'm, th- and they, you know, some of them are getting like the two and a halfs or the fives. And I'm like, I can do the 15s. I got this. I'm 15s. So I do the 15s and I, I'm stacking on a couple of weights on my bar. And so we're getting into this. And so we start moving and I'm like, you know, uh, uh, you know, with the, with the ladies getting this thing worked out. All right. We're going. And then about, about 12 minutes into this thing. I'm just, I'm getting, you know, my bar above my head, and all of a sudden, I'm like, Ugh. Uh. and I, I don't know if, if, if you've ever done this before, but you haven't worked out in a half decade, and then you just decide you're going to work out overnight, and you discover that um, in, just internally, your body's not ready for this, and so it's, it's saying, uh, oh, yeah, you're going to do this to me? Watch this. You know, just like, I'm... <laughs> Here you go, right? So here it is. This is what you get for doing this to me. All right, we used to have Cocoa Puffs at this moment, and right now you're hurting me. So I'm, 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 I'm decidedly think I, I'm, I think I might vomit. And, and so, I'm, I just, so I just stop, and I just hold the weights. And I'm, just, I, and I'm trying to decide, okay, can I keep it together here? And then you start to get the vom sweats. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? You guys know what I'm talking about? You know, it's like I, I, I'm trying to hold this in, and so um, stuff wants to come out of your body, so it's just start, you start sweating. And y'all, don't, don't look at me like you don't know the bomb sweats. <laughs> and I just hold it together to the end of the song. And then there's like a natural transition to, to go to the next song, and I'm like, dancing my way out of the room, right? Just trying to get out of there, just trying to like maintain myself and hang on. And I just, just trying to get through. And then if I could possibly just get back in for the last song and then get out of this thing and just, it was just, just zero dignity intact. But, but I, this is no, no dignity. But one thing I walked away from is this. What I used to could do when I was 20 at 41, I can no longer do this wretched body of mine. All right? <laughs> This thing is wasting away. Now, it doesn't mean I got to press forward. Okay, I got to work through some things. But let me tell you, this life is in decay. It, it, what things that worked before don't work anymore. And that is true in every part of life. And what Paul is pointing to, he's saying, listen, don't lose heart. I'm, I'm like taking the scripture in. Don't lose heart. And just in Jesus' name, keep me together. Though our outer self is wasting away, God is doing something on the inside. And here's what he's saying. There's a light and momentary affliction as we go through this, but here's, meaning this, we're going through rough stuff in this life. We feel the, the difficulty, the disappointment, both emotional, spiritual, physical, all this stuff that's happening here is wasting away. 
But there's an eternal weight that is beyond anything. There's an eternity that's beyond anything we could possibly imagine. And what he's saying is, is we got to live for what is unseen. Meaning what he's saying is, is what happens in this quick 90 years we have, this four seconds we have in this life, is distinctly moved and shaped by a totally different reality. That the way that we think and the way that we act and the words that we say and the way that we treat each other has got to be touched by a completely different life that we're headed towards and that no one can get away from that. The world is wasting away, but there's an eternity on the other side of this that he wants us to jump into. And he, you can jump down to chapter five, uh, verse six, and he will pick up there. He says, so we're always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. So we're going to walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So here's the indication. While we're here, we're away from the Lord and we're in the body. But we'd rather be with the Lord and away from this body. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. So what, what Paul does here is he affirms what Jesus taught him through the Spirit, what he's saying is this. Listen, when this life is over, for anyone that is in Christ, you're immediately ushered into his presence. He said, when we're here, we're away from the Lord. But when we're done with this body, where do we go? Right into the presence of the Lord. Immediately, with the Lord. We go and see him um, We go into his presence. When we die, we're brought home for all that are in Jesus Christ to call on his name, believe in him for life and for uh, forgiveness of sin and brokenness in this life. We go right into his presence. Paul says the same thing in Philippians chapter one, by the way. He says, listen, I long to depart from this body and to be with Christ. So he knew that he was going, man, I'm hanging on here and I'm willing to do this. Uh, But he says, I want to, I long to be in the presence of Jesus. Uh, Jesus himself, by the way, looks at the criminal on the cross, right, who was willing to be repentant and go, my life is a sham and a mess. Would you please remember me? And what does Jesus say? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. But I think the paradise is not the best part. The best part is today, you'll be with me. Here's the guarantee. And what everyone needs to hear, for all that are willing to call on the name of Jesus, when this life is over with, we get to go straight into the presence of Jesus. Man, what a, thank you, what, a, what an amazing, amazing promise. Because we face some bad stuff in this life. We go through some really bad hardships. And I'm thinking of even some families that have lost loved ones. This, it, it's hard to go through those kinds of things. I'm thinking of those of you that are struggling with different things with kids or we go through some really tough stuff and we, for those that are in Christ, for those that have called on his name, the promise is the moment that this life is over with, whether it's 20 years or 112 years, we get a promise to go straight into his presence. And Jesus wanted us to be aware of that more than just aware of it, but he wanted it to begin to shape how we live here. Because we can't stop, and I want you to hear this, we cannot stop at verse nine. We gotta read verse 10. And, and preachers, by the way, are great at reading all the warm, fuzzy scriptures. They're not always great about talking about the one scripture that, that pushes on us a little bit. And we have to read verse 10 here. 1 Corinthians chapter five Right after that, so whether we're at home or away, we make it our aim to please him, verse 9, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he's done in the body, whether good or evil. 
And Jesus wants to address this issue in our lives and say, listen, I want you to understand that our everyday choices and actions matter. Our, hear this, our everyday choices and our actions matter. Meaning there is an eternal weight of glory beyond anything that we could comprehend. But it does not come first without coming before Jesus for him to look at the scope of our lives. Which indicates this. Listen, what happens here translates to there. How we live and what we do with this life and the decisions that we make and the choices and, and the actions of our lives here are shaping a portion or a part of our eternity. Every person. You could be in this room not believing God. This is a reality that no one can get away from. This life is shaping the life to come for every person. One of my favorite quote. well, it's one of my favorite movies. I don't know, it came out in like 2000. It's called Gladiator. And I'm not, this is not like an endorsement of that movie because it's pretty brutal. It's like brutal Roman life. It's talking about, you know, that time. And it's a war movie and it's lots of, you know, swords and stabbing. So this is not, I'm not endorsing the movie. But I am saying this. There is a battle scene and Rome has been expanding its empire. And they're coming up on this final battle against the, uh, you know, the, the, barbarian hordes of Germania, and why I know this is just stupid. I should know all this, but I know this anyway. And so they're coming up, and the, the, the leader of the army comes up, and he looks at all his men as they're about to go into the final battle. And it's my, like one of my favorite movie quotes of all time. He looks at him, he says, men, what we do in life echoes in eternity. And I'm like, Dang. All right, now, if Hollywood can get this, for the love, can we please get this? Isn't, this is not untrue. For Hollywood gets it, they feel it, we can get this. What we do in life echoes in eternity. It's an important reality for us to just be thinking about and facing. You and I are eternal. We are eternal and our decisions, our choices, our actions matter. And after we've passed from this life, our lives and actions are going to be brought before the Lord. They're going to be brought before the Lord and all, and it says all, by the way. So it's not like all uh, of this group over here. It's all people. Amen. All people will come before Jesus. And what Paul calls it is the judgment seat of Christ. Hebrews 9 says it this way. Hebrews 9, 27, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Now, uh, all people are going to stand before God and give an account of our lives. You ask the question, what happens when we die? There's a, a true reality. There's an eternity. And every human being is going to come before Jesus to look him in the eye. This is going to happen, okay? Now, here's what I want to do. I want to address something about judgment. And I would say especially in the church. Because in so many ways, historically, the church has become synonymous with the idea of judgment. That the church is out to judge people. The church are judgers of people, especially those outside of the church. And honestly, the church likes to judge each other within the church. And there's this issue with judgment, harsh judgment of sinners or harsh judgment of each other's, preaching divine wrath and judgment, um, hellfire and brimstone sermons. If you grew up, maybe if you're old enough and you grew up in a Baptist church, it's possible you were really scared of hell. Um, or you, it's possible you were like in youth group uh, ministry, and you uh, you saw the I can't remember it was like the it was the what was it called it was the the play that they did what was it called Judgment House what that? Heaven's Gate Hell's Flames you saw some kind of production and you were like get me out of here Jesus whatever I gotta do I don't want to be set on fire All right so the church has often been synonymous with this thing this issue of judgment 
But I want you to hear this, because I think this is the narrative that we see from Scripture, is that judgments of God were never meant to scare people into following him. Now, I want you to hear this. Looking, eyes, looking into the eyes of Jesus before him to give an account of our lives was never meant to be used as a motive to tell us, uh, to scare us into following God. It never was. The point about teaching about judgment was never to scare people into obedience or to be used as a pointing finger against people who maybe don't believe like we believe. I want you to hear this, that it was never meant to be an accusation or a pointing finger. The desire of God in our lives is to trust him and to obey him and walk with him from his loving heart as a father to show us uh, what it means to live a full life. Meaning all of the the declaration of God on our lives, the call on our lives to obey him was because he's a good father, not because if you don't obey him, you're gonna burn. And unfortunately, the church has taken this position in a heavy-handed way against people outside. The point of scripture teaching about judgment is not to condemn us, but to awaken us to our reality that we are eternally significant beings, Period. The point of the scripture coming forward and teaching us is not to bring condemnation, right? Because uh, many, we know the, the, the scripture we talk about, there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ, right? This is the ironclad promise from Romans that the scripture never looks at us and I'd say that God never looks at us in order to bring condemnation upon us. In fact, his heart is opposite and in fact, what Jesus is doing is trying, for, uh, trying to help us see that this life matters and he's waving, if you will, he's waving the red flag. He's waving the yellow flag and saying, you've got to understand there's something so much more significant on, this, on the other side of this life. And it is unseen, but everything is pointing to the unseen, not what is seen. And so to let your mind settle on this truth, the final judgment of Christ is being shared with a lost world, it's being shared with the Gentile world, it's being shared with the lost world so that they know that what we do in this life matters for the age to come. That's what he's trying to say. It's not an angry finger pointing against the broken world. What he's saying is, listen, there is a truth, there is a creator God, and he wants you to know you are eternally significant. What you do is eternally significant. This life matters for the life to come. And we're gonna all stand before Jesus and he's gonna first know, I get the picture, because we talk about what it means to be in relationship with the God of the universe. So I kind of imagine, I, this, is, this is totally not in the Bible, so just, you know, you can block out the next two minutes, but if you need. I just kind of imagine for those that know and call Jesus Christ Savior and friend, that we're gonna stand before him on judgment day and we're gonna get right before him. And for those that know him and he knows, he's gonna kind of wink at you. Like, hey. And then he's gonna look at our lives and the ways that we gave our life for him and the ways that we laid out all that we are for him and the ways that we set our eyes on the things that were unseen. And he's gonna talk to us about it. And then we're gonna enter into glory. And for all that don't know Jesus, they're gonna walk up to him and they will not get a wink. It is. They won't get a wink. And they're going to look and they're going to see for the first time the reality of what it means to be separated from him. It's going to be so beautiful. They're going to wish they could never be outside of his presence. And then he's going to tell them, you must go. And they'll be forever separate. I'm telling you, I want you to hear this. What our lives are about here matters forever. 
And there's a whole mess of people outside of this church that don't know him. They don't know the wink. They don't know what it means to be able to be close to the creator of the universe. And the point of talking about judgment is not to point the finger in anger. The point of talking about judgment is to say, don't go. Don't go down that road. You don't have to. And in fact, the mission and the point of the church are to be the ambassadors looking at the world around them saying, there is a judgment coming on on all of us and you can be safe and you can find life and you can be brought into an eternal weight of glory that is beyond our comparison. And we want you to be a part of it. He wants, God wants you to be a part of it. And we want to tell you about it. We want to walk with you day in and day out. We want to hang out together. We want to talk about it. We encourage us on those days where we made some bad choices and some gross choices, and we've, as we've all done many times over. That's what God wants to do. That's what it means to be his people, his followers. There is a life that is beyond this one, and everyone is a part of it either eternal life or eternal death, but our lives are eternal. And the decisions we make here matter. And every one of us is going to stand before Jesus, whether you believe or agree with him or not. You will stand before him, and he's ready to wink. He's ready to bring you in. And he wants us to be a people that help others know him and walk with him. God wants the truth of eternity working its way in our hearts and then outwards towards others, period. I want eternity. My prayer is that we together, we see eternity. There's something unseen. And we try to get our minds right. In fact, this whole series is actually trying to get our minds in some part around heaven and eternity with God. Because some of us are thinking heaven's like, you know, we get our wings and we play a harp and it's possible we have to do an eternal long church service. And that sounds horrible, <laughs> candidly, right? Especially if you got a pastor with a kind of quasi Mickey Mouse voice. You know, you just, you don't want to do that for very long. You can only go so long. And, and what God's saying is there's, there's an eternal weight of glory that is beyond anything we can imagine. Can we start orienting our lives here to matter for that because it does it just does so I want you to hear that if you ever read about judgment in the scripture please hear this it is a it is the ironclad loving heart of God to share with an empty and broken world come you don't have to be that way anymore that's why it's there It was never there to point the finger. It was always there as an invitation. Come. That's what he wants to do. Eternity's got to be written in us. We've got to begin to orient our lives around it. It's critical that we do this. Eternity has this way of making us ask those questions, right? The point of orienting our lives around eternity is this. It helps us to ask the question, what is God doing? What is God doing in me? What is God doing in the world? What is God doing in my life? What is God doing in my marriage? Or what is God doing with my children? What is God doing in this community? And what is God doing in Franklin or, or Spring Hill? Or what is God doing and how can I be a part of it? Because I want this life to matter for that life. It helps us ask those questions internally and then corporately together as a church. I'm ready and I'm thankful for the life to come. Ready for that? I'm, 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 I'm especially maybe even hopeful that we get to see and know Jesus and we don't all have to experience death. I would love for Jesus to come back before my daughters start dating. I've got, I mean, I've got prayers. I've got prayers. All right. I'm hoping. I got hope on hope for the life to come. It's like more of Jesus, less of boyfriends. And, you know, just I'm praying it in. 
But eternity causes the heart to ask them questions. And so can we ask those questions together? Can we, maybe if, let me just put it this way. Maybe you've just not thought, maybe you've known Christ for a long time. But, but that, that vibrancy in which eternity moves us, being with him and closer to him and pulls our hearts into places of obedience and trust and love. This is what eternity is meant to do. It's meant to stir us. Eternity is meant to be lived now, period. Eternity is meant to be lived now. You, I want you to hear this. You are eternal now. Your body's going away. Spirit's gonna go, and then at some point in time, God, Jesus is bringing the body back, all right? Jesus, that's, that, that's how this thing's work. We'll maybe cover that a little bit more, but right now, we go away from the body. We're spirit, we're with Jesus, and then at the final uh, final judgment, final resurrection, Jesus comes back. The body comes back too, right? Jesus is bringing body back, okay? Body back. It's like, that sounds like a good song, Jesus. But what is that? That's, oh, it's, it's Justin Timberlake bringing sexy back. That's what I'm thinking. That's horrible. Oh, my gosh. That's awful. That's so bad. All right, so, so J, yeah, JT is bringing sexy back. JC is bringing your body back. That's a, there's a difference. Just a slight difference in those things. Okay, sorry. This, I just totally, I ruined the sermon, didn't I? Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm really bad. That's good. We were going somewhere and then it, it just died. What I was trying to say is this. Eternity is meant to be lived now. Eternal life. When Jesus looks and said, says this, for all that trust in Jesus, they would not perish but they'll have everlasting life. He wasn't just saying like long. What he was saying is quality, full life. And Jesus wants us to have it. And it starts now. And what we do now matters forever. So I pray that God makes us a people, both individually and corporately, that live in light of eternity. I'm gonna pray. We're gonna take two minutes. Will you bow your heads with me? And I'm just gonna ask you to just bow your heads and, and not be looking around so that you can just Before the Lord, you can just be honest with him. Father, we just want to be honest with you in saying that we know this life isn't really about you forever. It's just about you. And we just want to take a moment here, Father, just to say, Lord, would you allow eternity to stir us? The truth of who you are, being with you, and even being apart from you. I pray it would stir us. I pray it would stir the way we operate. And so we're just going to, in fact, even just where you're at, would you just maybe offer up your life before him and just say, God, I need this moment. I don't know how much my life is lined up with the, the truth of eternity. I don't know how much my actions are. In fact, there might be somebody in here right now. You're not even sure you know beyond a shadow of a doubt of where you stand in your relationship with Jesus. You may not even have one with him. You don't understand or you don't know. You have, maybe you haven't been able to anchor in your own heart the truth of what it means to trust Jesus with your life. And this is your moment. I'm, I'm not gonna ask you to do a big show or come before this people. I'm asking you internally to, to ask the question, where are you at with Jesus? Do you trust him for, for, for life, for the forgiveness of sin, for the hope of eternal glory? And if not, this is your moment to begin to do business with him and be honest with him. And then there are many of you in here that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt 
that Jesus is King, Lord, and Savior. But there's another step the Lord's calling you into to trust him with your life, how you live, how you walk before him, with him. That you want the reality of this life to matter for the next one to come. You want the reality of this life to matter. Because you know that it matters forever. So God, I pray that you would show us individually, but also as a church body, how we can begin to live in light of eternity. How can we orient our lives to love more people that don't know you? How can we orient our lives to be around those that completely agree with or believe in something completely different than what we've talked about this morning and how can we love them well? How can we be an expression of your kindness to a world that is far and apart from you? Lord, would you help us to make this life matter? And we thank you for your promise that we get to stand before you, see you face to face, and come into your kingdom. What an incredible promise. It's the promise of all promises. It makes all the other worries and anxieties of this life melt just a little bit. And we're living for eternity. Would you help us?